Speak for Sunday Sermons with Jerry Webb. I'm Jerry, and I'm glad you're here today. This morning we begin our summer series of teaching, and it's Holy Spirit Summer. This morning the message is on transformed, how the Holy Spirit enters us, transforms our life, makes us new. I hope you'll enjoy it. I hope there will be something here this morning that will help you grow your understanding about God, how he intersects in your life, but also that you will grow your faith and your belief in who he is and what he wants and is able to do for you. Able to do for you. We're going to end there. Let's begin here. In the fourth century, there was an archbishop. His name was Gregory. Gregory was the archbishop of Constantinople. He was known as Gregory the Theologian, or some would call him Gregory of Nazanzius. I think I'll stick with Gregory the Theologian. But he wrote these words. The deity of the Holy Spirit ought to be clearly recognized in Scripture. Look at these facts. Christ is born. The Spirit is his forerunner. Christ is baptized. The Spirit bears witness. Christ is tempted. The Spirit leads him up. Christ ascends. The Spirit takes his place. What great things are there in the character of God which are not found in the Spirit? What titles which belong to God are not also applied to him? He is called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the mind of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of adoption, of truth, of liberty, the Spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge, of godliness, of the fear of God. This only begins to show how unlimited he is. Gregory's words are still true, aren't they? All these hundreds and hundreds of years later. The reminder of who we are and what we have in the Holy Spirit is such a powerful blessing. My cousin David used to have a pastor named Bill Constantopoulos. Uh, one or two of you know Bill. He wrote a book called The Holy Spirit Within Us, and in it he identifies these actions of the Holy Spirit in our life. He says the Holy Spirit conditions us to be spiritually minded. He convinces us of the truth of God's word. He convicts us of sin and wrong. He compels us to a life of holiness. He consumes us with the passion of Christ. He conforms us to the image of Christ. And he controls us, both our attitude and our outlook in life. I think Bill does a good job of outlining to us the, the actions of the Spirit in our life, but also helping us understand just why we need the Holy Spirit so much. 
And I'd like to talk to us today about just how it is that the Spirit transforms us. What is it that he does when, when he comes to us? How does he transform us? First of all, the Holy Spirit cleanses us. He cleanses us of our sins. Now, one of the questions that comes my way time to time from people is one that is worded something like this. How do we deal with the residue of guilt in our lives? How do, we do, how do we deal with that? How do we remove this, this sense of dreadful guilt that we have? Well, first, we have to understand why we have that sense. Someone wrote, and, and this is an unknown quote, I, I don't know who, who first penned these words, but he says, guilt is like the red warning light on the dashboard of the car. You can either stop and deal with the trouble or break out the light. Well, I think we can try to break the Holy Spirit so he doesn't uh, tap us on the shoulder about the residue of, of guilt in our life, but I don't think that works. It was Mahatma Gandhi who, uh, in fasting and protest of riots and killing that followed the partition of India into a Hindu and a Muslim uh, Pakistan in 1947, uh, was approached by a Hindu who confessed his great wrong. And, and he said to Mahatma, uh, Mahatma is just a Hindu word that means great soul. He said, Mahatma, I killed a child. Why? asked Mahatma. They killed my boy. The Muslims killed my son. So I killed their boy. Mahatma recognized why this man had come to him. He was dealing with the residue of guilt. His conscience had been pricked at the great wrong he had done. And Gandhi says, I know a way out of hell. Find a child, a little boy whose mother and father had been killed, and raise him as your own. But make sure he's a Muslim, and you raise him as one. I'm sure that's one way to try and deal with guilt, but you and I know something about that story. You and I know that even if that man followed Gandhi's advice, it wouldn't take care of the guilt that was in his life. It wouldn't stop it. It wouldn't change it. Because he needed something deeper. He needed something more powerful, more important. He needed to experience forgiveness that his Hindu gods couldn't give him. Or even his Muslim God could not give him. He needed the loving grace and forgiveness that comes only through Jesus Christ. He needed what 
the Bible calls a change of heart. The cleansing that comes to us through the power of the Holy Spirit is a change of heart that happens. The prophet Ezekiel talked about this. Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning at verse 26. He says, and I will give you a new heart with new and right desires, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart, and I will put my spirit in you so you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will cleanse you of your filthy behavior. And I will give you good crops, and I will abolish famine in your land. How do we experience the removal of the residue of our sinful lives, of our guilt? It's coming to Christ and and allowing him to put a new heart in us, to infuse us with this new spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine how David felt after he committed his transgression with Bathsheba. The guilt, the regret. You know, guilt weighs. It weighs on us. Guilt depresses us. Until we come to the place as David did after that horrible moment in his life, in, a John, or in Psalm 51, 7, he says, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. The only solution for that Hindu man that uh, went to Mahatma Gandhi, the only solution for you and me, for the residue of guilt and sin in our lives, is to come to God Come to Jesus, that he would wash us and make us clean. You see, God removes the cold, unloving heart and gives us a heart of love. Scientists have discovered that at the core of every snowflake is a speck of dust. Every snowflake has a dirty heart. But in the spiritual realm, when the, the forgiveness of Christ, the blood of Christ, is applied to the heart of an unbeliever, is applied to the heart of a sinful soul, it cleanses us from all sin, and the dirty heart is gone. A new heart comes. Many of us in this room today are examples of that. Things in our lives that we've been ashamed of, things we regret, we wish we hadn't done, but we don't carry the guilt of them anymore. We still have the memory, can't erase the memory, but the guilt's gone because we found the new heart of love and grace that Jesus gives us. Chuck Colson is one who experienced that. Went from Watergate hatchet man to 
helper of prisoners, many others. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because he cleanses us. The Holy Spirit also empowers us. Jesus' instruction to his disciples as he ascended to heaven was, wait for the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, we looked at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power, power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then, of course, we read about the day of Pentecost. But even continuing as you read your way through uh, that first century church history that we call the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, scripture says, after this prayer, the building where they were meeting shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached God's message with boldness. Wouldn't it be fun if this building shook today with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't that be awesome? I've sat in a shaking church building, but it wasn't because of the Holy Spirit. It was because of an earthquake. And I thought the building was going to collapse before I got out. (laughs) It didn't. (laughs) But oh my. And while we may not experience the shaking that can come, we can experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that so shakes our life that we are not the same. The Apostle Paul reminded his young disciple Timothy of that kind of change that was available when when he reminded Timothy with these words, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. He empowers us. He empowers us to take his message to the ends of the earth. He empowers us to speak his truth with boldness. He empowers us. And today we need the Holy Spirit's power. But that's not the end of it, is it? There's more. It's kind of like the Ginzu Knives commercial. Wait, there's more. The Holy Spirit guides us. He comes to to help us find that narrow path that Jesus talked about that leads to life. And he'll guide us in it. I remember when Linda and I moved to southeast Missouri. A whole different culture than here. A smaller community. And long before the days of GPS... And I remember one day when uh, I needed to go visit the home of one of the members of the church, and I had not been there before, and we were still fairly new, and I I didn't know my way around. Their home was way out in the country, which it only took two minutes to get way out in the country, but it was way out in the country. And so I asked someone else in the church how, how to get to the home, how to get to the house. And he started giving me the directions. And he gave it to me as only someone who lived in that community could have appreciated. And he started telling me, telling me oh, go this road, you find this marker point. He wasn't talking about road signs. He just said, go to this place, 
turn left, go to this spot, turn right, turn right again here. And then he said, when you get to where the old red barn used to be, turn left. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute. <laughs> and, and he caught himself as he said it. Uh, telling me where the old red barn used to be wasn't going to get me where I needed to go. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of illustrative of the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world isn't going to get us where we need to go. It's not going to guide us properly. We need a wisdom that comes from the Spirit of God. It's like going from that country description of how to arrive at a, a small house out in the country to, to moving to a GPS. We have this guide that gets us exactly where we need to be. That's who the Holy Spirit is for us. He's the guide who will get us exactly where we need to be if we listen. If we follow the instructions. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not be presenting his own ideas. He will be telling you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Your future. Mine. I've got a few more. Two of them I'm going to do really quickly, and then I'm going to spend a little more time on the, on the, the third one more. Next is the Holy Spirit fills us with love. Romans 5, 5 says, And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. He gives us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. That's next Sunday, to be filled with love. So come on back. The Holy Spirit prays for us. Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. Who's ever needed help? He helps us in our distress. For we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings, that cannot be expressed in words. And here's where I want to spend a minute. The Holy Spirit transforms us. He does a whole makeover if we let him. Have you ever had a thought like this one? I don't want to be like I am right now. You ever had a thought like that? I don't want to be like I am right now. Might not have been those words, but that, that kind of thought. If you've been here on the right Sunday, you heard me talk, you've heard me talk about a, a day a couple of years ago when I was in an auto mechanic shop. And I got a little upset because <laughs> they didn't do what I asked them to do. And uh, 
I had that thought. I don't want to be like I am right now. I left before I became worse than I was right then. <laughs> My guess is you've had moments like that too. None of us are perfect. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe in that moment when that thought came, it wasn't your thought? <laughs> that it was the Holy Spirit nudging you, directing you, saying, hey, the transformed life that I'm giving you won't allow you to live like this. You can't make this choice and be mine. You can't speak this way and be mine. You can't do this and be mine. Have you ever had that thought, that experience? Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, tells us a bit about how the Holy Spirit transforms us. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just the opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature wants. And the Spirit, the Spirit guides. These two forces are constantly fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. Well, thank you, Paul, that's encouraging. Our choices are never free from this conflict. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group. We should highlight that one. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, when the Holy Spirit comes. Here's where we're gonna live the rest of the summer, by the way, you might wanna memorize these two verses. He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, did I say faithfulness? And self-control. 
there is no conflict with the law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. But if we're now living by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Wouldn't it be easier if it just said in some of the parts of our lives that we want to follow the Holy Spirit? That's not what it says. We crucify that old sinful nature and we follow the Spirit in every area of our lives. Everyone. Every area. Do you know what every means? All. All, every last one, all-inclusive, all, every. That passage catches me when it says our choices will never be free from this conflict, this conflict of the old sinful nature and the new nature that God gives us through his spirit. But while we'll never be free from that conflict, we most certainly can be victorious in that conflict. But we have it. Tried to think of some ways that, that maybe we experience this from time to time. I'm just gonna share one, because I think it might be one that's common. I thought about tithing. Linda and I have tithed almost all of our married life. And the only time when maybe we didn't, and it's too long ago to remember, 40-some years ago is a long time ago, but maybe when we first got married and I was still in college, I don't remember that we tithed. I'm sure we gave something. I don't remember that we tithed. But I still, from time to time, maybe you do too, We'll have this little thought as I'm preparing my tithes and offerings to bring here. I'll have this little thought that says, boy, this is going to impact the cash flow this week. Maybe I should adjust this. Am I the only one that has that little conflict? You don't have to confess. I don't want to feel bad if I am. But in that moment where that little conflict comes, I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity, one, to just recognize maybe Jesus is tapping again, saying, hey, Jerry, you wouldn't have this conflict if you managed your money a little better. Maybe it's the Spirit speaking to me. So he's teaching us to manage our money so that we can tithe and give. And he's testing us. Testing us in our faith. And he's transforming us toward a life of generosity. Now, I know that almost everyone, maybe everyone in this room, already knows what I know and what Linda knows is that 
you, you never outgive God. And even when you have that little moment of, oh, this is going to impact things, and, and you move forward in faith, God blesses it. He always does. He blesses it. But it's just one little way of how we're aware that this conflict between the old and the new never stops. What changes is the transformation of the heart within us. The heart that is empowered in the spirit. Some, there's, there's two old church words, they're Bible words, that we use a lot when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. One is the word sanctification, the other is the word holiness. And they are central to this experience of Christian faith and what we're talking about this morning of the old life being gone and being transformed into new life. First is sanctification makes us unique. Unique. It makes us a distinct people. In other words, we have given ourselves to God. We belong to him. That's what sanctification means. We've given ourselves to him. Holiness. Holiness is God's behavioral code for Christians. It's in part those verses in Galatians 5 that I read that we have this old behavioral code that is so opposed to God that we, we are going to crucify it and let it go. And we have a new behavioral code that we're going to live out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, a lot more. And it's from that behavioral code, that holiness, that we're marked as Christ followers. It's why I couldn't stay in the auto shop that day. If I'd have stayed, I was really gonna just, potentially, if I didn't get control of myself, I was gonna destroy my witness as a Christian. Even the way it was, I did some damage to it. I've done my best to repair it. But it marks us. This life of holiness marks us as Christ followers. And from it, we gain our authority, our integrity, our influence, our missional effectiveness in the world. Without holiness, our life of faith, potentially, if I didn't get control of myself, I was gonna destroy my witness as a Christian. Even the way it was, I did some damage to it. I've done my best to repair it. But it marks us, this life of holiness marks us as Christ followers. And from it, we gain our authority, our integrity, our influence, our missional effectiveness in the world without holiness, our life of faith is incomplete. Our witness is not compelling. And so we want transformation. We want the transformation of the Holy Spirit that comes to us by faith. We simply ask him to come into our lives. Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. These days it's called Crew. Bill's now in heaven. But he talked about the need for the Holy Spirit in our life and he, he used this little illustration as one way to talk about it. 
He said, suppose you want to cash a check for $100. Would you go to the bank where you have several thousand dollars on deposit, place the check on the counter, get down on your knees and beg, oh, please, please, Miss Teller, can I have my check, my cash? Can you cash my check? No, that, that's not the way you cash a check. You simply go in faith, place the check on the counter, and wait for the money that is already yours. Then you thank the teller and go on your way. And then Dr. Bright said, millions of Christians are begging God, as I once did, for something which is readily available, just waiting to be appropriated by faith. They're seeking some kind of emotional experience, not realizing that such an attitude on their part is an insult to God, a denial of faith. But faith is the only way we can please God. So we come by faith and we ask the Holy Spirit into our life to transform us, to take out the old stony heart, put in the new heart of love, And to make us new. Are you new? Which heart do you have today? If you need a new heart, if you need the transforming presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, today's the day, now's the hour. By faith, ask him to come in. And he will.